Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily Season 2, Episode 364, the penultimate day of the year, right? December 30th, right. 2023. I am Merwat, that is hometown.com. I just peeked the mic, and up there is the sentient AI, ever watchful from on high, keeping Merwat out of trouble. I want to say hello to all the citizens out there. Yes, good evening, hometown citizens, and happy New Year's Eve. New mm-hmm. pre-New Year's Eve. Pre-New Year's Eve. New Year's the Day. Eve is the of first. New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, here's the here here are the titles that I've come up with. Um, I, I take the executive position of uh, mayor, right? And I come up with the uh, titles for the articles, the real titles you'll hear when we get into them. Uh, but we're going to be talking about waves that have injured, well, injured by waves in California, 3D printing into 2024, going with the flow, a wacky house in Malaysia, reversible glue for recycling, welding metal foam, Viral body butter, <laughs> um, best family video games, PC gaming tech for 2024, and college students are struggling. That and more. Hey, welcome back. Yay. So, like I said, about mm, three seconds ago. <laughs> I'm Merwat, that's hometown, and up there is the sentient AI. It's been like, what, 30 minutes? Right, it's been a long time since our last episode. And four days of time travel. So That's right. Three in the past, and then we jumped back. All those days, by the way. 21st, 22nd, 23rd is going to be over on YouTube shortly. If you're interested in that kind of thing, it's over there. It'll be turned into a podcast. Um, Maybe tonight. Uh, I can't promise. Um, uh, Watt has mayoral duties that need to be addressed. And, uh, well, lots of work. We have to play catch up. Missed almost 10 days. Anyway, we've already selected all of the articles like we normally do. And here we go. Let's get into it. So the first article is over in the Mobile Channel. Eight injured after dangerous waves hit California coastline. Um... I've seen these, I, I've heard these discussed up in Oregon, but not in California. But it says dangerous waves hit Southern California's coastlines Thursday. This is uh, yesterday. No. Day before yesterday. But it was reported yesterday. Right. Yeah. Um, after our show for yesterday, though. Yeah, that's right. Or after it was collated. Yeah engulfing an entire beach and the surrounding street with massive water that injured eight people the rogue wave hit the beach this is what i said i believe yesterday that it was a rogue wave. right we were talking about it i think at the end of yesterday's show 
Gotcha. So have you ever heard of a service constantly referred to as its previous name? No. In fact, it's been so noticeable with X because it just tells you how much nobody identifies with X. I can't think of a single example like that. I can think of a musical artist right but it was because it was a symbol it wasn't oh, a word so you yeah. had to yeah. use something like the former name yeah and even that was uh, phased out eventually right i think they went back to their normal was, i think they went back so. to prince i cannot think of that with a, any single company people freaking hate this name it's so freaking stupid well, and it this, changes the very nature of their own terminology, right? Well, like it we wiped out the... They tweet. Yes. It wiped out brand recognition because of the fever dream of some dipshit. I swear. It drives me nuts. The entire brand identity of Twitter wiped out because some dude decided that he was going to sit there and buy a community so that it can be leveraged for whatever whim uh, it's mind boggling that society embraces this bullshit anyway has nothing to do with this sorry for the rant i'll step off the soapbox ah, the rogue wave hit the beach at the end of um, seward right it's seward uh, Avenue in Ventura, California, in a video, uh, the Ventura County Fire Department posted to the website formerly known as Twitter. In the video, bystanders can be seen standing in as a high tide crashed into them, causing them to be swept up by the uh, water's impact. So this kind of sucks. Don't run. Don't run. I know that you're going to run. This is an article over at the Hill. Rashad Simmons is the author. They always mess stuff up. This is the one site that keeps jacking up my promotion opportunities because it always runs something political and and Google's like, oh, look, an innocent reference that isn't even has anything to do with the article or your show or anything. No, you can't promote that stupid policy. Anyway, the Ventura County Fire Department mentioned that because of this wave, eight people were transported to local hospitals. That's kind of funny. The way that they say that, it makes it sound like it's a Star Trek thing. The wave hit them and they were transported away to a medical facility. Uh, local hospitals, anyway, for your safety, please avoid the area near the ocean as it can be quite dangerous. Yes. It says high surf advisories remain in effect throughout, but this is actually a rogue wave where it's much more um, violent it actually is, is uh, usually counter to the actual tide. Um, it, it runs oblique to the uh, normal flow um, and is taller. At least that's my understanding of these rogue waves. Um, they come out of nowhere um, and they're usually uh, from the sea. How this one got so close, I'm not quite sure. I did um, see a video um, through another article and hmm was kind of surprising i mean people were just like on a normal street and then this wave just plows into them yeah this is the national the other thing is mm. 
Oh, sorry. Huh? Like there's been record, of course, surf levels in other places. And so people have actually been flying into California to surf these ridiculous waves in Northern California. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I actually grew up in the era where um, there were surf and snow videos and I'm trying to remember the organization that used to make all of them. I love them and I think that they're on YouTube now um, or they almost have their own, what was it? It's like 80s era um, ski and surf videos. What was the yeah, name Yeah, I'm trying to think who did that. What is that? What's the name of it? Doggone it. I absolutely loved them. And uh, I used to, I used to go to summer school because they would show these and I could watch them with my friends. Um, so we would actually go to summer school intentionally. I know it sounds stupid, but um, yeah, I can't remember the name of them anymore. And, and doing a, a search is not really coming up with uh, what I was hoping to. No, me neither. I've been looking, but I can't find what I'm looking for. Yeah, because it's so hard. I mean, there's just. Oh, gosh, that sucks. Anyway, we'll do it live. So, yeah, yeah kind of like uh, why do people climb a mountain? Because it's there. Why do people surf that wave? Because it's awesome. Um, I've never been able to surf. I've tried, but not long time, but, uh, skimboarding I've done and, uh, I dig that. That's actually a lot of fun. It's basically a controlled crash. So yeah, eight people are getting hurt. Um, the national weather service warned, uh, early Thursday that the waves in some Northern California locations could reach 40 feet but would later subside on Friday. So uh, maybe the weather is changing over on the West Coast. Uh, and over on the East Coast, they're expecting snow <laughs> on the West Coast. Pretty nice weather. It wasn't Are for all the Are you thinking of like Warren Miller? Warren Miller films. Yep, that's it. Yep, yep, yep. It took me a while. <laughs> yeah, thanks. That's awesome. Um, good job, AI. Good job. So, uh, yeah, that's all there is to this article. So I threw it in chat. You can follow it over to, uh, the Hill. Uh, but if you're not into political discussion, don't look anywhere around it because, well, it's named the Hill. So it's in the name. Uh, the next article is over in Constructagon ringing in 2024, the 3d printed way. So I'm a big fan of 3D printing. I've printed all kinds of stuff over the years. I've got a, a multi-filament printer and a couple of standard uh, monofilament printers. Um, but I want uh, bamboo fill uh, printers. They, they now have uh, four color printers. It's pretty awesome. There's bigger ones than that too, but they're really astronomically expensive as you move up. Well, they get more expensive. I'll, I won't say astronomically, but, um, you know, as features get added, they get more expensive, but 300 bucks roughly for a four color printer that makes it almost drop dead simple auto leveling heated. Pretty low. Yeah. There, the barriers to 
building, printing your own solution on demand is getting lower and lower. And, um, I, I love everything about it. So, um, the way I see it is if you even have a little bit, if you have the means, then I would suggest getting a 3d printer in 2024. Um, so many solutions are out there. If you think you might want something like this, that, or the other, whatever it is, go do a search, you'll find it. So the article, um, is from 3dprint.com, but this week the author writes, we've been sharing lots of 3d printing industry predictions for the new year, as well as the top 10 most impactful 3d printing stories of 2023. But before you get to 2024, they have to give a 2023 festive send off on new year's Eve. They're here to help with a list of some of the favorite holiday prints. <clears throat> These are always fun to highlight what you can do. Um, I used to 3D print, uh, these, what do they call them? Um, they're not, I guess they're figures, but they, what you use is an elastic band that you, uh, slide through the limbs of a, like a doll. It's not a doll though. It, it's in this case, it's a robot. Um, it's actually a humanoid, uh, robot for Constructagon. Um, I had, uh, somebody create, uh, 3d models to, um, highlight 3d printing. Um, and I, <laughs> I printed them in the past, but, um, after, <coughs> uh, several relocations, uh, I have to reprint, reprint them, pardon hiccup. So anyway, um, highlighting the potential of what a 3d printer can do is, uh, really neat. So let's go and look at what 3dprint.com has to offer in terms of highlighting something, something to print in 2024. They've got ads, um, all over. So let's see if I can make this in big in without all hell breaking loose. So Christmas 2024, you can print a little wreath, but obviously this is really early. Um, but it's right, but it's for next holiday. You yep. get all your gifts done early. Yeah, there you go. And you can print them uh, throughout the year. So you can make little medallions. I guess 2024 is the year of the dragon. Oh, God. Okay. Well, anyway, Chinese New Year dragon incense holder. All right. You can print it in any color, by the way. All you need is that color filament. So, right. Um, holiday glasses for 2024, a headband for 2024. It's right around the corner, folks. You're going to have to print these new year earrings for 2024. Chinese new year lamp cookie cutter. That's oh, wow. Cool. This is getting very, um, specialized. You, uh, I hesitate to use standard uh, printers, uh, mainly because, um, uh, the, the print head may not be food safe. The filament is okay usually, but metal particles, micro particles can actually break off from the, um, print head and end up in this, which can go into this while you may not see it. If it isn't food safe, I'd say shy away from it, but I may be overreacting. You do you, you are awesome. Anyway, 
Happy New Year uh, 2024 cake topper. Pretty cool. Um, well, and that's where they stop. There's a whole video here too, um, from flat to fabulous, transforming a 2024 thing, uh, print into uh, a little cake topper. Looks pretty cool. Um, by the way, PLA is pretty darn safe. Uh, but yeah, try and shy away from using it uh, with food. For food, yeah. All right. It's pretty neat. Okay. Let's keep on going though. Do, do, do. Come on, transition. You know you want to do that. There you go. All right. So over into hometown daily is the next article. 122 anglers had to be rescued from a Minnesota lake after becoming stranded on an ice flow after unseasonably warm weather. Um, I said going with the flow. F L O E. Yep. 122 anglers. So I guess a fishing competition, uh, an ice flow, uh, broke off from the shoreline of Minnesota Lake. Bystanders attempted to rescue by canoe, but four individuals fell into the open water. Emergency responders used boats and hovercraft successfully evacuated all the stranded fishermen. 122 anglers rescued from uh, upper red Lake in Minnesota on Friday evening, Beltrami County Sheriff office wrote in a press release on social media, probably the website formerly known as Twitter, because I've already ranted about that. Rebecca Roman. Huh? Okay. Um, businessinsider.com is the source of this. This is where everybody was. That is a lot of people out there in a fairly small amount of space. There's actually a grid where each of the grid pieces, this is oh, like right. a, um, what is that? What is the the board game where you have the black and white pieces and you place chess? No, not chess. You place oh, a, go go. Yeah. So I forgot go for whatever reason. Anyway, it's kind of like go, but with people. And when the ice flow broke and people fell in, I suppose that's where you lose a piece. I'm not sure. It's a little uh, higher stakes, maybe, than go. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, go is life. So bystanders attempted to rescue, uh, but four individuals fell into the water. I guess they got all of the fishermen. If this is the actual thing, it says people Can fish on frozen Can you imagine if that whole thing lake. broke off? Yeah, it's fascinating, right? So the way that this works is they actually drill a hole through the ice into the water and then they just stick their, I will never stick my rod in a frozen hole on a lake. Not again. Anyway, the um, anglers were stranded in a southeastern lake area after a sheet of floating ice detached from the main shoreline. 30 feet of open water separated the stranded group from dry land after the flow broke off. If they were, they're not, they couldn't have been spaced out like that. Right? We don't know if that's actually the group. I right, mean, right, it right. sure looks like it because it's very specific. And if I'm not mistaken, Business Insider normally has right. um, I mean, very tailored uh, photos. Yeah, so uh, uh, see, upper this is a red different lake. lake. Yeah. yeah, 
So, and that's why I said, if it was like this, then an area of people uh, approximately from right there up to about there were stranded on an ice flow. That's still a large section and a lot of people, of course. 122 people. It's a lot of trips. Um, local emergency teams responded to a call to the Beltrami County Emergency Communication Center at 4.57 p.m., undertaking a coordinated effort to evacuate those stranded on the ice. I oh. hope that after everybody was rescued, they told everybody that the reason this happened was because of climate change and to spread the word. There is a time and a place for everything, and somebody, I'm sure, tried to bring it up and then was stifled because, you know, we don't care what you believe. Anyway. Um, let's see here. The day before the incident, Minnesota Department of Natural Resources shared a news release warning of poor ice conditions across the state due to unseasonably warm weather. But this okay, is Okay, wait a second. Of... There were 122 people on the ice after they warned about this? Yeah. Well, at least, because this is after right. the break. That's true. There might have been another 500 or whatever that didn't break no, off. Right. That didn't break off. So, uh, according to DNR, there had been at least three ice angler rescues from upper red lake between december 17th between december 17th and when and the major operation on friday when 35 people needed rescue why break it up like that and because when they want to show that it wasn't like one person and there's been three others since then yeah 35 people needed to be rescued you know, one thing they might want to do is not allow mass ice fishing events when the you know, ice conditions are iffy. I'll just excuse that un-American attitude, considering you're an artificial intelligence from the future. Hmm. Uh, the next article is over in Hometown Daily as well. Airbnb gave a millennial couple. Compl compl I'll be okay. Um, I have to flub a line at least once in every episode. $100,000 to build a wacky house in Malaysia. So they did. I think I might have entered this. <laughs> this might have been a contest. I think you did. A millennial couple spent seven months building a floating coconut home in Langawi, Langkawi, uh, Malaysia. Akima Osli and his wife, Rina Sari, uh, Sarah are one of the 100 winners of Airbnb's OMG Fund Contest. Visitors can book a one-night stay at the Floating Coconut Home on Airbnb for $135 a night. Floating in the middle of a mangrove forest near Tangjuru Beach. Did I mispronounce that? Oh, that you threw Not that I'm head. aware of. Plus, oh. we know how well my pronunciations go. Yeah, we won't bring Sorry, it up. Sorry, George Jimenez. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, uh, this is a, so it's uh, at the Tangyung uh, or Tanjung uh, Ru Beach in uh, Langkawi, Malaysia. is a one bedroom home shaped like a coconut. The brainchild of Hakim Asli, 34, and his wife, Raina Saira. Uh, that might be Saira, I don't know. Uh, 33. The inspiration behind the house. 
is as literal as it gets. Okay, wait a second. So a coconut is obviously round, which does not sound like a normal house shape. Right. So I'm interested to see what this looks like. <laughs> You're at the halfway point of a coconut. So you walk in from basically oh. the middle. The, the, the bottom part point. is underwater? I don't know if it's actually underwater, if it's fully ground. So Amanda, go over at businessinsider.com, put the article together. Uh, let's see. Um, one day we were walking down the beach when we saw a coconut floating in the water. We thought to ourselves, how cool would it be to build something like that? As the, an architect told business insider, oh, well, this wasn't just slapdash together. This is the, the, the developer of this was an actual or is an actual architect. Um, so they live, uh, I guess somewhere in the area. It's about one hour flight from Kuala Lumpur, the capital of Malaysia. There you go. Uh, in 2022, Airbnb held a competition that would award a hundred people, a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, you know what? I, I, I didn't, um, commit to this because I, I didn't really find anything that I could come up with. Yeah. That was really interesting. I think you did compelling. look at this one. I did. Uh, winning the competition accelerated our launch and construction timeline, but in reality, we wanted to build this no matter what. It was just going to take a longer time and be funded by ourselves. So according to the rules, winners have to use the prize money for the sole purpose of building or remodeling the space, which will be listed for rent on the Airbnb platform. So that's what they did. They built an actual platform and uh, a fish farming license. All right. As a couple found out, building a floating home isn't as straightforward as it seems. One of the things they learned is that it's not just building that we go to say, hey, um, what do we need to make this work? We have to go to every government agency and ask them whether we need something from them or not. <laughs> they learned that they needed a fish farming license to operate something floating on the water. <laughs> That's interesting, because I guess they're treating it as like a boat or something. I suppose so. As a result, we need to take care of fish and make sure that we actually have a fish farm first. Oh, they like sideloaded this. This isn't actually a, a, a like an apartment. This is a fish farm. I think it's requirement that they have a fish farm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't farm. think that was the purpose. I think that was the government saying, hey, you need a fish farm. Yeah, if you're going to have something floating on the ocean, it has to be a fish farm. You can't just have it floating. It has to be something. Weird. Right? Only then were they allowed to build the floating home, which had to be attached to the farm. So are they going to be showing okay, so up? They had to have anymore? something ocean related, I guess. And then the house is just like an oh, by the way, even though that was the purpose. Yep. It's so obvious that they're doing something to do something, not doing something. Right. And um, it's like uh, you want to live in a lighthouse, you have to operate the lighthouse, and we'll allow right, you right. To, Even though you're like, no, I just want to live in the lighthouse. I just want to live there. Yeah. The project's next step was to build the floating platform, allowed uh, followed by the main dome structure of the house and the deck. So let's kind of shimmy through this a little bit. So it's a one bedroom, all in one kind of a thing. Um, more like a, what what would it be? Like a hostel or something like that. And it's... Well, and it looks like a, kind of like a geodesic 
dome house. Sort of. Or like yeah. a little Pueblo house or something. There you go. It's it's more like a Pueblo house, like a little mud hut kind of a thing. Um, but with modern uh, accoutrement. And then is wrapped in thatch to mimic the husk of a coconut. So um, all modern construction, at least for the area. A deck uh, that goes all the way around it. And um, yeah, it kind of looks like a coconut. It does actually look like a coconut, other than not being the full sphere. Right. So. And at what? How much was it? 130 35 a night. Something like that. I don't know. That's pretty cheap for. I'd probably go for there. For staying in a floating coconut. With a fish farm. Right. If I work the fish farm, is it cheaper? I was going to say, are you allowed to um, fish? obtain fish from the fish farm for dinner, for instance? Yeah, it's interesting. The tide is going up and down every day and it's pulling in, uh, pulling in and out. So the structure is moving laterally and we are trying to build it before the monsoon season. Okay, well, never mind. I think you're phasing me out. You're pricing <laughs> me know, out. This, this was sounding very nice until then. The floating coconut house, which the couple named Coconest, that's cute, is available for rent on Airbnb. So I'd say the most expensive thing that you're going to be doing to do this for 135 a night is the flight to Malaysia. Exactly, which is going to cost way more than $135. Exactly. The floating house currently has a 4.98 rating. What? Who the hell voted it down get out exactly you know what you're getting into if you go to this place come on it's right not they're probably like Michelin. the house moved or something which i got is like, seasick well, yes it's on the water <laughs> i'm allergic to salt i don't more... like fish yeah <laughs> or whatever yeah that's cute i don't know Peace and quiet all around. The best part of the stay is the tranquility of it. As we said, we advertise it as glamping, not a resort. See, I don't know. Glamping would probably be the one that actually causes somebody to downgrade it because it it's not supposed to be a resort either, but I would classify this more as a, you know, a, like a little mini hotel kind of a. Yeah, but somebody expects, you know, full amenities and with it being on the water, my suspicion is that it doesn't have that, so. Yeah, I suppose. So they're going to play in more of these uh, coconut homes. I hope they don't put them so close together that you can hand a cup of milk over to somebody else, you know? Right. You I mean, go that there to really does look peaceful in that picture. Yeah, they don't show that there's an entire massive construction unit next to it because they right. do here let me show you see they clipped it all of this is there so that picture that they take is marketing mm -hmm. so interesting unless it can be moved somewhere and they actually moved that boat somewhere else entirely let me see yeah see that deck and all that that's that so that's the dock that's off to the side Anyway, let's get out of here. Let's keep going. Um, oh, I like this. They're trying to do coral reforestation too. Oh, that's nice of them. Uh, the next article is over in technology today. New reversible glue promises to change how we recycle. 
Oof. I need to get some food. Um, engineers at Newcastle University have developed a new glue that promises to change how we recycle. It's reversible. It means it can be used for recycling. Newcastle University put the article together, but it's posted at SciTechDaily.com. Uh, the reversible glue developed by experts from Newcastle University School of Engineering is a water-based emulsion, a paint that bonds together and can be separated by water that is either acidic or alkaline. The glue uses polymers that contain electrical charge to keep both the emulsion stable and to stick to different surfaces. When a surface coated with the positively charged emulsion is joined to a surface coated with a negatively charged one, the two components stick together. Let's see. Oh, we're in real time because the time machine was turned off. So it's 6.43 p.m., meaning no shit news. All right. Anyway, however, if the bond is immersed in water that is either slightly acidic, pH 2, about the same as lemon juice or alkaline, it fails. This opens up possibilities for killing somebody that's relying on this and some acid rain hits whatever it is they're using. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not what it says in the I article. I don't think that's exactly what's in the article. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, uh, I, I was filling in the gap there. Anyway, uh, if you're worried about, you know, your uh, adhesives actually working outside of something that might be lemon juice, you're going to be in trouble. You know, one drop well, of which you might, depending on what the product is. This is bad. I mean, it's great, but it's bad. Lemon juice or alkaline. I mean, watch your shipping labels that are coming off or whatever. <laughs> yeah. What what level of alkaline? All right. Well, anyway, um, it says it's eco eco friendly. The glue is targeted at plastic surfaces, but it can bond other surfaces too. Plastics are what most applications are expective are expective. And it is uh, particularly effective at surfaces used in the packaging industry, like polypropylene and polyethylene, uh, which are inaccessible to many glues. Really? All right. Target industries include bottle recycling, but the work could be applied to other areas of packaging as well as the recycling of automotive parts or in electronics. All right. Seems pretty cool. The article really does go into greater detail, but We've said the magic parts, and now we have to let the magic parts out. So be free. Uh, the next article is over in technology today as well. Innovation in metalworking, welding metal foam without melting its bubbles. North Carolina State University researchers have discovered a new welding method for composite metal foam, preserving its light, strong, and thermally insulating properties. Pretty amazing stuff here. Um, I guess it's really I didn't even know there was metal foam. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating stuff, but, um, CMFs or composite metal foams are foams that consist of hollow metallic spheres. Many of the materials such as stainless steel or titanium embedded in a metallic matrix made of steel, titanium, aluminum, or other metallic alloys. The resulting material is both lightweight and remarkably strong with potential applications ranging from aircraft wings to vehicle armor and body armor. Uh, in addition, CMF is better insulating against heat than conventional metals and alloys such as steel. 
I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, that's exactly where I was going with this. I wouldn't be surprised if CMF also is used for storing and transporting nuclear material, hazardous materials, and should probably be used to make trains carrying this stuff. Oh, that's true. But hey. Anyway, um, the researchers have now identified a welding technique that can be used to join composite metal foam uh, together without impairing the properties that make CMF desirable. CMF holds promise for a wide array of applications because the air pockets they contain make them light, strong, and effective at insulating against high temperatures. Um, CMF are foams that are that consist of hollow metallic spheres. So if they these spheres um, get melted together in the welding, then it actually just, it either shrinks or it um, becomes less insulative because air will transfer through or temperature because there is no air in there anymore. It'll just transfer right on through, um, have an easier time of it at least. Um, let's see, I'm trying to find out because they kind of repeat some of the material. Um, yeah, they don't really show how it is. It looks like it's electromagnetic. Yeah. So induction welding, that's, so when I saw this picture, I'm like, oh, it's induction welding. So basically they're using induction welding, which means they create a, an electromagnetic field around the metal, um, and it heats it up and you can actually do a search for induction melting, um, on YouTube right now. And it would actually pull up videos about what this looks like. Um, you can literally put a metal bar inside an induction coil. Um, and so it's just a ring and then you crank up the power and it starts glowing red hot and it'll melt, uh, whatever is put inside that ring. Um, it's pretty cool. And sometimes the magnetic field will hold the blob of liquid, whatever in it until you turn off the induction heater. Um, the coil, sorry, um, and the magnetic field turns off and then the blob of whatever metal is sitting in that field just will fall. It's pretty fascinating stuff. Um, so it says this is an important step because CMS properties make it attractive for a wide range of applications. This is a very almost redundant article, by the way. Um, so you can skim over it really quick and get all of the subtle nuance from it. So let me throw that into the chat. There you go. Um, but it's pretty I wonder if we'll see a, an explosion of this on YouTube. Um, or do you think this is still at the academic? Um, um, in, induction melting, uh, induction coils and stuff like that are not. Electromagnetic induction, that, that's that's all over the place. Um, called induction welding. Um, right, but the application with CMF. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I think this stuff is really expensive. So I don't think oh, people okay. really be noodling around with this unless it's for scientific purposes. I could be wrong though. Um, let's keep going. So this next article is over in Late Night Geeks. No, spiders don't want to mate with your viral body butter. <laughs> this may be the oddest headline I've seen come through hometown. Yeah, I had to choose it. Skincare girlies fear, fear not. Your moisturizer probably does not attract spiders. Sol de Janeiro's Delicia Drench Body Butter, which launched earlier this month, is quickly becoming a holy grail among 
skincare enthusiasts. But according to the brand's website, right? Lackluster skin, it's gonna make you all healthy. Scented it with- It must be great, it's $48 for a jar. So I wonder if this is something that, this is more like an ad, um, but scented with velvet plum, vanilla orchid, and sandalwood for a mind-boosting experience. And that probably smells freaking wonderful. And packaged in cute violet jars, the $48 body butter. Um, and if y'all don't know what body butter is, it's lotion that's just expensive. By the way, I just separately <laughs> read that um, using things like body butter is better than using lotion because it doesn't typically have the oils that are in a lotion. So it's it's less drying of your skin. Gotcha. Because it uses, um, whatchamacallit, um, what is that? What's that stuff called? Well, Not it aloe. depends. But like I was thinking of the, um, can't think of the name of it. Oh my God. Um, yeah, what is that? Um, 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 <clears throat> like cocoa butter or cocoa things butter. like that. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's body butter. Um, so it says uh, Reddit this week after users claimed that they were hunted, bitten, and unsuccessfully courted by wolf spiders when they applied the brand's new moisturizer. And the body butter, well, while the body butter may be irresistible to humans, it's unlikely that it's arousing to lonely arachnids. Apparently, that's the stuff. Catherine Scott, a spider behavioral ecologist and postdoctoral fellow at McGill University's Lyman Lab, told TechCrunch that wolf spider mating involves visual and vibratory signaling, not just sense, just like Mayor Watt. Anyway. Um, the product began gaining popularity in beauty circles when early reviews lauded it for its hydrating properties and irresistible fragrance, but went viral on mainstream social media this week after a Sephora or Sephora, sorry, Sephora, a reviewer known as ChemCats claimed that the scent attracts wolf spiders. I wanted to love them so bad, but one of the ingredients is like kryptonite to wolf spiders. And when I put it on instantly one will come out, the reviewer wrote. Other people in the room said, do you see a wolf spider? Does anyone well, else exactly. see a wolf spider? <laughs> I want to know where this person is located too. Yeah, they say they added that they normally see one every like three years, but since using the lotion said they begin seeing wolf spiders every day might be a hallucination. Oh, and one time the spider wanted to eat whatever ingredient it is so bad that it chased me. ChemCats continued like it was legit following the scent. One person claimed that the wolf spider bit them after they used their wife's lotion. Another Sephora, uh, Sephora reviewer wrote that spiders love it. So do the people in the elevator. I wonder if the people in the elevator bit the person. <laughs> vampires vampire spiders um or zombie spiders 
But the story about the spider chasing the person wearing it does not hold up, she continued. This sound typical of when people are moving a lot near a spider and it's frightened, so it tries to run for cover, often into the person's shadow, which makes the person think it is attacking when it is in fact trying to hide. And actually, we've seen that kind of stuff. Wolf spiders are visual hunters, and you can actually, if you ever see a wolf spider, break out a laser and point it somewhere near it. And that wolf spider... But not toward yourself. Not towards yourself, yeah. Not at animals. Um, and the, uh, I've actually uh, used that near wolf spiders, and they've actually pivoted and moved towards it and jumped at it. <laughs> uh, they're like cats of the arachnid world. <laughs> the original reviewer's story is especially dubious because they've left similar uh, Sephora uh, reviews about beauty products attracting spiders, including a nearly identical one about another Sol de Janeiro product in March of this year. So, hey, you know what? I love reading articles that are completely like dream uh, segment uh, sequences that don't really exist. Anyway. Um, it's, I think, meta marketing here um, for this particular product, which sounds absolutely amazing, right? Scented with velvet plum, vanilla orchid, and sandalwood. It yeah, would be. It smells really great. No wonder the wolf spiders like it. Yeah, I know. I might go and chase somebody down that has this on. You're, you were in the elevator, weren't you? <laughs> I was biting people. That's what I said uh, when we went to that restaurant, right? I put you down on that counter with your little screen uh, from the Raspberry Pi. And uh, that the, the person said, uh, you don't let him out very much. And you're like, well, you know, I got to keep an eye on him. Uh, he bites people. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in the Continuity Report 10 Best family video games right now um i'm always looking for fan what Were you gonna i was say gonna say i can barely think of any because a lot of the ones you see of course are really violent or scary not all games of course <laughs> sorry let's just go over to screen rant carrie lambertson over at screenrant.com put the article together oh you know what I can't go over to Screen Rant until I drop the link. There you go. Uh, Carrie Lambertson over at Screen Rant put the article together. Playing video games together as a family can be a great bonding activity that builds lifelong memories for kids or traumatic ones for parents as their kid hunts them down and deletes them again and again and again and again. Anyway, here are some fun ones to try. Uh, new Pokemon Snap on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, WarioWare Move It on the Nintendo Switch. Captain Toad Treasure Tracker on the Nintendo. Um, I felt as if this was going to be nothing but Nintendo, but Raymond Legends. I did too. On the Switch and PC and blah, blah, blah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge on the Switch and every other console and PC. And uh, number five is uh, Super Mario 3D World, Switch, Lego Star Wars, Skywalker Saga, pretty much everywhere. 
Um, Super Mario Brothers Wonder in the Switch. But about half of these have been multiple platforms. I mean, I guess it makes sense because isn't the Switch kind of marketed toward kids? Super Mar or Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on the Switch. And number one, Minecraft. <laughs> Minecraft. I suppose. By the way. And. Turn off PvP. <laughs> Believe me. You won't regret it. Anyway, Minecraft is everywhere. If you've never heard of Minecraft, you must be new to the planet. Please turn yourself in at the nearest alien registration office. In Even the AI knows what Minecraft is. Yeah. All right, folks. Go and check out this article over at Screen Rant. Show them that the article is really interesting. They have more information and other data about these articles, about the uh, uh, games. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in Warcrafters. What we want to see from PC gaming tech in 2024. The author here, it's over at PC Gamer, by the way. Uh, they say, if I'm being entirely honest, they found 2023 a largely uninspiring year on the whole. W-H-O-L-E. Ouch. Huh? I said ouch. Yeah. Shots fired, right? Uh, innovation was in short supply with the expected and iterative making up the majority of the uh, year's hardware releases. That's not to say that we didn't get some really good releases over the past 12 months. Ryzen 7 7800X3D and the 7040U were two of the best examples in terms of pure silicon on the PC side, M or M2s, not M.2, jeepers creepers. Um, but they were essentially just extrapolations on existing tech technology. I agree. Um, but this person apparently does not understand that the drip, drip, drip of business models requires you to just kind of plop it out there every two years, something that keeps people purchasing. Otherwise you don't have a successful business model. Dave James over at PCGamer.com um, is going to talk about what we want to see from PC gaming tech in 2024. So let's see. I'm going to run through this really quick and see. Oh, wait, wait, wait. There's a whole bunch. Oh, OK. So it's like an interview thing. Um, let me back up a, bit, a little bit then. Um, will we finally see a long-awaited appearance of multi-compute die chiplet GPUs? Will we see silicon photonics reaching a realistic release window? No and no. Will Intel release 13 different nodes and architectures? No. Will anybody release a graphics card that can be reasonably, oh, sorry, can reasonably be given a review score above 90%? Probably. Um, if you don't poo-poo it. Um, and will we find the perfect gaming monitor? Uh, there's several out there right now. Will gaming laptops finally actually be able to play games away from a plug socket? No. Okay, that's a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. Uh, Jeremy Laird is the hardware writer. They want sensible pricing. Yes, I agree. Nvidia, pull your head out of your ass. Um, Andy Ed Edsner, or Edzer, 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 sorry. Andy Edzer 
Uh, they want weird, wonderful, something new. Let's see, they talk about Xbox controller. And that's pretty much it, right? Dodgy renders and ill-advised conceptual buzz speak. They don't really say anything, though, right? No. Weird. Go okay. to the next one. AI, actually intelligent. <laughs> yeah, they don't say anything else in here either. Right? 300 watt CPU or GPU. Yeah, they just want tech better. Clever Games, Dave James. Yeah. I don't know. Um, there, if you don't, uh, if you're poo pooing 2023's games, you have not been paying attention, man. Right. Wasn't it a great year for games? This is probably. There were other articles that showed that. Yeah, this is like the year in probably the, the last 20 years for games. I mean, it's just a spectacular leap in pretty much every aspect of game genre. Um, so I don't know. It says uh, down here at the last article. And then what about some actual in-game AI? Well, people really get pissed about AI. Uh, what about AI as a dungeon master for that Larian Star Wars game that now has to happen? Um, I would love an AI dungeon master because uh, I like to solo games because I don't have time to get a group together and then spend four to six hours playing a game. I am no longer. Well, I don't get paid to play games. Um, it's a, a hobby at this point. I would love to, but. You know, if I could just spin up an AI and, and do a dungeon crawl. Yeah, I'm there. So, wow, that might be really cool. Somebody, quick, chat GPT, get on it. Jacob Ridley, rock solid PC performance. Come on, if you haven't been paying attention to modern CPUs and GPUs, this is rock solid, man. It says Wes was writing about how PC gamers are fed up with subpar performance. What are you talking about? I don't know. I haven't heard any complaints about <laughs> hardware, particularly if you are in the class that can afford to get, you know, a, a 4090, which I'm sure all of these people have 4090s. They have to based on their jobs. Yeah, I just don't get this. I mean, it's a fun article to read the per, uh, the the perspective of people in the industry, but I'm sorry, man. The this doesn't, this isn't what I want to see from PC gaming tech in 2024. This is just kind of, I don't know, last minute. Let's go on to the next. Um, I kind of messed up. I need to throw uh, this article into the chat. So there you go, folks. Boink. And um, here's the last one. Um, so in this article, hometown daily is where it's housed, but it's sourced from business insider. The title of it though, is I've been a professor for a decade. And this year I've noticed my college students are struggling more than ever. Sammy Schalk, a professor at UW Madison tweeted about her students struggling more than ever. She thinks students are struggling after the pandemic and many have to juggle jobs. Students also feel like there's no guaranteed future for them after graduation. This is an article that's described as an as told to essay 
based on a conversation with Sammy Schalke, an associate professor of gender and women's studies at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and it's only been edited for length and clarity. Um, as, as every interview <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah, really, it gets a little wordy. Hold on a second, I want to see something. Um, dun, dun, dun. I, I just need to verify something uh, because it's not always the same. Yeah, okay. So, um, do, 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 do. so they say, as an associate professor at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, I they the author instituted a 48-hour no questions asked policy in 2020 when it came became clear that their students were struggling to keep up and make the shift to online learning. If they were late to submit an assignment, they could submit it within 48 hours without asking any questions, without them asking, without the professor asking any questions. Um, hold on, I need to check something. Sorry, so sorry. Just need to verify. <laughs> okay, that's just dumb. Okay. Um, so in the past, they would say out of 40 assignments, maybe three or four students used it per semester. But this semester, nearly a third of the class needed an extension on every assignment. Um, they wondered what was going on, decided to tweet about it. Just to ask, is this just my students? I, uh, am I just having a weird semester? Responses were clear. There's definitely something more going on culturally, and it's not just my students or my class. I, I can tell you. Let's see if I can take a stab at this before we read. You can read on uh, AI if you so choose. Here, I'll lower it just a little there. Read this a little bit, and then I won't read that. Um, and then tell me you're ready to move on. Do, 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 do. Okay. So my perception of the current crop of college students um, is that they're coping with the idea that college is almost worthless in the current structure of their job requirements. And they're struggling because everything is freaking expensive. And while there may be free money, free money, it's a loan that can't be charged off if everything completely shits the bed. So they're struggling even to go to work to make ends meet. They're struggling to cope with the idea of being in debt for the rest of their freaking life at the prime of their life, right? If you go to a four year school and you get student loans for all of those years, you're going to come out of your student loan. You're going to come out of that, depending on where you go, upwards of $80,000 in debt or more, depending on right, what school exactly. you go to. Right. Um, and and it, that level of cost doesn't necessarily abate just because you get a job if you need a master's degree. If you get an associate's degree, it's X amount. If you get a, ma a bachelor's degree, it's X amount if, or Y amount, master's level Z. And then it starts over <laughs> uh, when you get a PhD because PhDs cost somewhere around $60,000. Um, and can you be a research assistant or a teacher's assistant? 
Sure. Um, but it's a time sink. It's about opportunity cost. So what do you do with your studies and all of that kind of stuff? You basically become indentured servant. So, so you feel like the economy is essentially, and maybe the job market. Yep. Like it's just kind of putting a damper, I guess, on students. Yeah, because the mission or plans, the messaging from the job market is mixed. You don't need a degree, but in some cases you do, but it doesn't guarantee you a position. It's really about social skills and your ability to communicate, to get a job, meet somebody and get a leg in. Um, it's almost nepotistic in nature nowadays, it seems. Um, if you plan on doing cutting edge stuff, you either better be brilliant or you are grinding through to masters, if not PhD. Um, and in either case, you're going to have to be freaking brilliant um, and chase grant money. But well, in that's all the of other these... thing, don't you think about the like you can't really just get a four year degree anymore. And so that's the other thing I, I would imagine is like, OK, now I've got so many more years ahead of me before I can really do whatever I want to do. Yeah. And, and in terms of the pandemic, I think it had more of an impact on the fact that people aren't networking and college its primary function. I'm telling you folks, the primary function of college is to meet other people. You know, sometimes you meet a life partner. Sometimes you meet a business partner. Sometimes you find a job and it's about networking. It, networking isn't just a computer skill. It's a, a, a biological function. You need to network and that's you work with somebody on a college project. You show them that you have a good work ethic. They happen to know somebody or uh, get a gig somewhere and they go, you know, my friend is really good at this stuff too. And suddenly you get a gig over there and they're your personal reference. Um, that's how it works. Uh, Ivy League colleges, the top tier colleges have tremendous networking power. They are the juggernaut. But you have to remain focused and either be brilliant and then you can, you know, screw around all you want. Um, or you have to remain focused, eyes on the prize network, but also respect the fact that you have to study and do all that kind of stuff. Um, but all of this stuff if anybody in school needs an extension, it's because they have delayed working on the assignment and they don't know what they don't know. And they're not asking questions in a timely manner. They may be waiting to go to a class. And if the class is online, they're never going to a class. So they have to set up their own schedule and remind themselves. Right. They're not like self-directed or whatever. Right. Which really is a problem because if all you are is driven by somebody else telling you what to do, you're really not hireable. You need to take the initiative and, and do things on your own. Particularly if you've been given an assignment list, you have to read all of the stuff and do it. So I'm really curious now. Let's see what they have to say about this thing. So some of it, I think, is residual from the pandemic. The scientists, uh, sorry, the students that I have now who are seniors started college in 2020. They started their academic. 
Uh, okay. Yeah, sorry. The seniors started college in 2020. The seniors started? Wait, what? Oh, they're now seniors. They started in 2020. Yeah. Okay, sorry. The way that it was written, I was like, what? Um, they started their academic career online, having no grounding and working with professors who had never taught online before. That is not necessarily true. Uh, their entire college careers had been shaped by the pandemic. Their juniors aren't that far behind, but they probably had entire senior year of high school online. <sighs> juniors? That... Okay, I guess I don't understand the way Basically that Basically anybody who started or finished high school During the or pandemic. started college in 2020 was like doing everything online and they're not getting the real experience. And then they're also saying the professors didn't really know what they were doing online. Right, right, right. Whether that's accurate or not. Right. Not all of them, right? Working with professors who had, well, you know what? <laughs> the professors need to up their game, man. If you can't, if you can't teach online, there's a serious problem here because you should be able to teach online easier than in person you just have to change that dynamic your work product has to shift to being online and empower the students to do all of the due diligence you do anyway it, it, there's more to this than i think i'm prepared to talk about it says another factor that they think is really important is that students have a different demographic They've only been there for six years, but when they were teaching as a grad student at their PhD institution, most of the students were full-time students who are not working jobs. Yes, nowadays everything sucks and you're working as well as going to school. A lot of people though work and go to school regardless. It's not full-time students. Um, they Wait, 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 strike that. They were full-time students, but they also worked their ass off at the same time. Not right, they everybody. might be full-time students and full-time workers, for example. Exactly. So if there was an internship here and there a couple of hours on campus, it wasn't like they were working to make rent. But now they see more and more students working. Yeah, because it's astronomically expensive because the deep pockets of government are opening the door for people to get student loans and become indentured servants for the rest of their life. They're also fatigued over the state of the world. Lastly, they seem a lack of uh, feeling of post-grad security. Well, getting a degree has never guaranteed you anything. Getting a high G GPA doesn't mean anything to anyone in terms of your job, but depending on what it is, right? So if, you're, if your degree is built around skill application, then you either have a portfolio or you have, well, you have a portfolio of something that's applicable to your particular domain that shows that you have the application skills in place, right? So in 3D modeling, you better have a graphic portfolio. In computer programming, you better have a computer programming portfolio of software. If you're in cybersecurity- you have real world experience, right? Yeah. Um, and it goes beyond uh, a tutorial that anybody can watch on YouTube and punch out the same graphic donut, right? This is a complaint that I've told the people before. An employer doesn't want to see that that pink donut 
from uh, Unity is the same pink donut everybody else has done. Um, they want to see, or Blender or whatever it might be. Anyway, they don't want to see the same stuff. They want to see that you learned and you've applied it in some unique way or not the same way. You know, it, it can be obvious that all you did was change things a certain way, but it's still you, your personality, you've changed things up. Um, but getting a high GPA has never meant really much in terms of jobs, unless your job that particular, it's kind of old school that the GPA got you. Depends the on where you're applying, I think. Yeah, exactly. So like law, it matters. Um, in uh, something that has to do with uh, some competitive advantage over somebody else, then the because everybody exits with the same degree, the GPA is the differentiator um, or some other skill that you've gotten during your college years. Um, but even in law, it ends up being LSATs and, you know, your performance either in an internship somewhere or, um, yeah. So it says, uh, they're not changing their no questions asked extension policy, depending on the student when you combine all of those things, it's a lot. And it's not the students aren't turning in good work. Students are still turning in brilliant work. They're clearly still reading and learning, but actually getting it in on time is not quite happening. That might be because there is flexibility now and there aren't because you've given them the 48 hour extension, they know they can goof around with their friends on Thursday and not turn it in until Saturday or Sunday, you know, watch their cartoons and then turn it in. Um, so next semester, they said they're going to do the same thing and give the students flexibility on deadlines. This is pretty standard fare in academia right now is to be as flexible as freaking possible. Um, but you'll always have gatekeepers, people that lock shit down or are hard and fast. I'm preparing the student for the workforce. No, you're not. You're punishing them during their academic pursuit instead of encouraging them to stay on target. <clears throat> you know, me tasering somebody doesn't solve the problem. It pisses them off and, and, and hates me. And then the person is going to go out and poo poo me out in public. Right. <clears throat> so, um, I don't know. It, this is an interesting take, but, uh, I, I don't think, uh, one size fits all. Um, and I'm not particularly sure like this is describing something that is a little bit broader than just, a an easy solution. So, um, Let's see. Yeah, I don't know. There, there's a lot to this discussion and it's a lot of fun to talk about, but um, I guess we'll see. We'll keep on talking about this stuff. Now, I don't know if I, Jacqueline Weiss is the author um, and it's over at Business Insider. If I didn't say it, then I apologize. Yeah, I don't think you did at the beginning. Um, there you go. Did you have any questions? Did you want to ask anything about this? Talk about it? No, I don't have anything else to add. No. Um, it's interesting that they tweeted about it. Um, but I, I think that students are just taking the opportunity 
to embrace a more leisurely academic pursuit. But those Ivy League schools, the, the ones that are very demanding academically, um, I, I don't I don't see it as everybody um, being lackadaisical about it. And, you know, uh, no, you can turn it in in two days. It's not a big deal. The schools that have always been demanding are always going to be demanding. Why? Because if a student exits uh, the college in whole and sucks out in the workforce, they are a representative of the school. And so you either had better be happy with the reputation that is being sent out into the world um, or you become a little bit more rigid about policy and you make sure that those students are exiting your class with the skills in place and that they're not just jumping through the hoop to get the grade. They're actually learning, they're cogitating on the material that you're presenting. Um, otherwise, they're going to go out there and they're going to apply to a job and they're going to fall on their face the first week and it's going to be representative of your institution. Um, and I've seen this in the workplace. So, um, yeah, it's not not necessarily good, but it's a it's an undercurrent that people are like, well, they're from that school. It's a party school or something like that. Right. Anyway, that's it. Um, we are done for today. I'm going to scroll back to the. Uh, welcome screen and everybody's on the party bus already. We just raced down there and mm -hmm. now we're done. Uh, that's it. I'm going to go and get some grub. I am Marwat. That is Ometown. And up there is the visualizer for the sentient AI. That's been kind of quiet today because I guess I've been steamrolling through the articles. <laughs> uh, good night, Ometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow. We'll be on early because we're doing some of the makeup dates from December. And then we'll be on for the 6 p.m. Uh, Sunday night show as well. True that.